It's been an interesting preparation this week because um, I've been preparing for this morning for a number of weeks and obviously I'm um, like Heather, sometimes I get ahead and get prepared well in advance. Uh, and this time I was, I thought I was, until the events of this week. And then it's made me rethink, well, what, what do I want to say? What can I say in the light of what's happened? And my theme, uh, uh, an old minister once told me, you've got to give people somewhere to hang their hats when they come in. Uh, and so my theme to start with at the moment is, don't judge a book by its cover. And I was just sitting there thinking, if you'd seen Queen Elizabeth uh, 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 walking through the street, and you didn't know who she was, and there wasn't any bodyguards with her, and she's walking along the street with a head scarf on there, would you have known anything about her at all? Would you have been able to judge that old lady for the wealth that she's done, that Terry's talked about, that we've seen? We would have had no idea. We would probably just, those younger ones of us, not that many of us, that much younger really, would look at her and go, she's just an old lady. Just an old lady. And that would have been a massive, massive, massive understatement of the Queen, wouldn't it? She's just an old lady. And so I want to look at just what we see in each other and what we see in people. And I'm going to start off by talking a little bit about our visit to South Africa. And um, if I get this right, will it change from here? Don't think it's going to... There we go. Uh, we had the privilege of meeting some really interesting people. And if you remember before I went away, we asked, I asked if you'd give us some gifts, lay on your hearts whether you want to give us some money. And thankfully, thankfully, church, you gave us £860 to take away with us. So as we went, we were wondering, what are we going to spend this money on? What God's go- what's God going to lead us to? And one of the first places we went was to meet this lady. And you can see the side view of Susan there, talking to this lady called Margaret, affectionately known as Gogo Margaret, which just means Grandma or Ma Margaret. And she has this incredible place called House of Hope, House of Love, sorry. And that building behind is about the size of three garages, right? So we went in to visit her. Uh, and probably press that in. And we went in and we were taken there by a lady called Laura, who herself is an incredible lady who's got an incredible vision to build a children's village in Grahamstown, where we were. And we went in and we were introduced to two children who were sitting on Gogo Margaret's knee. And then the room began to fill up with children, not just our children, our uh, Emily and our grandchildren, but other children. And then suddenly, the room was filled with 28 children, or 27. She's not sure how many she's got living with her at the moment. And in that very small, that was the biggest room. All the bedrooms were crammed with beds. She had 28 children that she's looking after. Amazing. Before we went, Laura had told us I'll go back to that one. Before we went, Laura had told us that, um, that, uh, that what their needs were and given us a shopping list. So we went shopping. But before we did that, I was standing outside talking 
to three lads. And uh, these three boys really were very talkative, spoke really good English. And uh, the, the lad in particular in the middle uh, wanted to know all about, he spotted my, older, my youngest granddaughter, Lydia. So the first question he asked was, how old is she? And I thought, oh, what's going on here? <laughs> then, uh, well, what's her hobbies? What does she like to eat? And he was obviously eyeing her up. Uh, he thought she was quite attractive. And then we got negotiating how many cows she thought he, she was worth. <laughs> Which was interesting because when I looked outside the door, in the house next door in their garden, were loads of cows, which weren't this lad's, little lad's cows by any means. But he was beginning to work out how many cows he thought my granddaughter was worth. Uh, so we didn't continue with that negotiation. don't think she'd appreciate it. Anyway, when we got the shopping list, Susan and I went along to the local pick-and-pay supermarket. And because a lot of the items on the list we couldn't identify because we didn't know what they were, we enrolled this guy who was more than happy to be Susan's personal shopper and take around the shop. And we filled two trolley loads of things ranging from um, vegetables to uh, nappies to baby food to everything that was on the list. Came to about £200 worth of groceries. Uh, and then we took them up. And when we went to visit, we the lads carried them in and put them on the bench there. And you can see there's a lady just standing off shot there, Susan and uh, Gogo Margaret, and uh, a lady standing off shot who is uh, Margaret's daughter. And she was absolutely in floods of tears about all that food. The reality with, although there's two trolley loads there, I'm not sure how long that would last with 28 kids. Uh, so with your money, with the money you gave us, we were able to do that. Susan also gave the uh, mama, uh, Gogo Margaret, uh, some money for the electricity because the electricity obviously is getting expensive over there. And um, we came away thinking, what more could we do to help these, this, this, these people living there? Eventually, the younger children are going to move into the children's village that I'm going to talk about at another time, and that's going to be built, and they can move into there. And um, we thought, or Susan thought, well, they've only got two toilets and one bath. Can you imagine that with 28 kids, Sean, standing in a queue, <laughs> 28 <laughs> to get a bath or a shower or go to the toilet even on a morning? Um, and we realised that a shower would be really good for them. And so we, uh, not that the kids were dirty, they were really impeccably clean and well-dressed, but a shower would be helpful so we asked them to get a costume for it. We got a costume, and strangely enough, the costume came to the amount of money that we had left out of the £860. Uh, we came across another project where we asked what they needed, and they needed money for shoes so the kids could go to school. So all in all, the £860 being spent. Chris will be getting the receipt next week for, for all the money that's being spent. So, you see, God had a plan for that money, even when you gave it to us. Uh, what seems like a long time ago now, uh, God had a plan for it. Don't judge a book by its cover. That lady Margaret there, if you saw her in the street, you would never know that she'd brought up 28 kids in the last 
15, 17 years. There's another verse in scripture that's very similar to don't judge a book by its cover and it says, man looks on the outward appearance but God looks on the heart. And I've preached in Chaldean many, many years ago on that subject. And you remember, it's where Samuel had to go and choose a king and he went through all the brothers and then God said, none of these are the right people and then the David was chosen. And David was chosen because it says in scripture, he was a man after God's own heart. Now when you read some of the things that David did, you might wonder about that, but that's us making a judgment on somebody again, isn't it, about what, he, what he's like. Uh, so man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. And so we turn to the scripture that we've been looked, asked to look at today, Luke chapter 7. I'm aware that time's gone by as well. But Luke chapter 7, uh, verse 36, we read these words. I'm in tro- control here. There we go. Sorry, it's a bit small print, but there we go. Now, one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. So he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. When a woman who had lived a sinful life in that town learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster jar of perfume. And as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who was touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two men owed, owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he cancelled the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt cancelled. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned towards the woman. Then he turned towards the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this? Sorry. Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I ended has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much, but he who has been forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, Your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say amongst themselves, Who is this that even forgives sin? Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. After this, Jesus travelled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. So bearing in mind um, that scripture there about God looks on the... uh, Man looks on the outward appearance, God looks on the heart. There are two characters in that story. There's Simon the Pharisee. He's the guy who invited Jesus along to the house for a meal. 
Now, I don't know what his motives were. Maybe he just thought, well, you know, it's the done thing. We invite Jesus. He's got a crowd around him. Um, he's a good person to invite. My status in community will go up because I've invited Jesus. And, you know, people see what I'm doing. Uh, I'm not being judgmental. I've invited Jesus. You know, he's not all that popular sometimes with the Pharisees, but I've invited him along. And then you've got the other character who's unnamed. She's got no name at all uh, that we know of, other than a label. And the label says, a sinful woman. How did they know that? Well, the community must have known what she was like, because Luke said a lady came in who was a sinful woman. So she had a label. She didn't have a name. She had a label. I'm not sure what's the best thing to have. A label or a name. And then, of course, the other character was Jesus. Now, Simon, it says, Simon saw what the lady did, saw that she, uh, she cried, wept over Jesus' feet, wiped, her, wiped Jesus' feet with her hair, and then poured oil uh, over, her, over his feet. And it says, and I don't know whether you've ever spotted this, he thought to himself, he didn't say it out loud. He thought to himself, well, if Jesus is such a good person, if he's so clever, if he's a prophet and he can see things, how does he not know that this woman is sinful? And Scripture says there that Jesus saw the thoughts of Simon. He saw what he was thinking. He saw into his heart what he was thinking. And he said, Simon, can I tell you something? And he told him that parable about two people having their debts forgiven. One owed 500 denarii and the other owed 50. And he said, which one of those people should be the most grateful? And it was a poignant message, wasn't it? Because he was really saying, hey, you know, this lady, she's sinful and she's been forgiven. And look what she's done. Look at her response because she's come to me and she realizes what I can do for her. And Simon must have begun to hold his head in shame to think that he would even question Jesus about what happened. The scripture says, doesn't it, that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's no one sin that's bigger or smaller than another sin. And the payment for all sin is the same. Uh, it's, it's said that when we look to the cross, we see the measure of sin. What do I mean by that? Well, you know, in the, in the, in the previous time, there were different levels of sacrifice for different things that had been done wrong. But we have those words in the song where the cross has said it all. The cross covers every sin. And when we look at the cross and we see what happened to Jesus, we can't help but see the intensity and the volume and just the magnitude of what that is, that sacrifice that Jesus made, the cruelty he experienced, the whipping, the death, the crown of thorns, the final ultimate sacrifice of giving his life for each one of us shows the size of sin. It reflects the size of sin. And so when we look in our hearts, do we just think, well, you know, 
Oh, that person over there, it's like Simon, they've sinned more than me. Or do we just think, look, everyone has sinned and Jesus has paid the price for each one of us. So God looks in our heart. He sees who we are. He sees everything about us. And we might think, well, I'm putting a good image up in front of other people. I'm, look, I'm reflecting God's love in everything I do. But are we really reflecting God's love? Is our heart really changed? Uh, people talk about conversion as being a heart-changing thing, doesn't it? We, we once had a lady in our church, and she was a lovely lady and when we were in the Methodist church. And she used to come to our Bible class, and she was a, a, a lovely Christian. But she said, so if somebody has a heart transplant, does that mean they have to ch- their faith has changed because they've got somebody else's heart? It's a good question, isn't it? Eh? When you think about it. But we talk about the heart as being our spiritual center for our lives. And, um, and if we have somebody else's heart, does that mean our spirituality changes? Well, I don't think it does. It's, a, it's an attitude of heart, isn't it? An attitude of how we do things. So where, do, where does that leave us today with all of this? Uh, and I, I spoke to Chris during the week and said what I was going to speak on. And Deuteronomy, he pointed this verse to Deuteronomy. But if from, you, but if from there you seek the Lord your God, you will find him if you seek him with all your heart and with all your soul. And, and I just want to leave these very thoughts with you. Is, uh, my thoughts for the week is, for me, what does God see in my heart? What am I hiding from other people? What secret sin have I got in my heart that I'm hiding from other people? What secret sin have you got in your heart that you're hiding from other people? What have you not actually said to God, look, can you deal with this? Because the scripture says, if we confess our sins one to another and to God, he will forgive us and then they'll be gone. So we can have clean hearts. Give to me a clean heart, God, is really what I'm saying. And then do I reflect his love for me in my daily walk? Do people see God? I mean, there's no doubt seeing the queen and in the way she conducted herself, you could see the reflection of who she was in our faith, in the things she did. Do, do people see God's love in me, in my heart, in my daily walk? In my daily devotions, am I as devoted as I think we should be? Do I spend enough time just spending time with God? Is my heart tuned in to Him? And also in our worship, am I more worried about what people think this morning there, right, if I'm honest, Terry was standing in front of me and one of the songs, Terry put his hand up. And I put my hand up and I thought, now I hope people at the back don't think, Terry put his hand up, so I just put my hand up, right? But we get silly things like that, don't we? When we stand there worshipping. And yet God wants us to be free in our worship. Is he not worthy of all of us? Is he worthy of our dance? Is he worthy of us putting our hand in the air? Is he worthy of us shouting hallelujah now and then, Corrine? Yeah? Yes, of course he is. He's worthy of that. Corrine talked about that last week. 
He's worthy of everything we can bring him. Even that might mean our our uh, self-thinking about what we think about ourselves. God is worthy of our praise. It made me think during the week, when I come to communion, am I just going through a ritual? Or am I really, really celebrating what Jesus has done for us on the cross? Because it wasn't just a little sacrifice. It wasn't just a little gift. It wasn't just five pounds or something. It was his life that he gave for us on the cross. In our hearts, are we praising him? Are we worshipping him? Are we enjoying who he is? That's my thoughts for the week. I hope your thoughts during the week will be, what does God see in my heart? How do I reflect that amongst each other? And then I chose a song that we're going to listen to now. And I thought, this week we've heard people, yesterday we heard King Charles in South Africa when she made that vow. Do we make that, are we making that vow in our hearts that we will serve God? I just want you to think during this time, just you can join in if you want with this song that we're going to hear. Uh, But just think, where is my heart in relationship to God? Where is my heart every day? If you want to join in and sing, sing the words, but you can only sing the words if you mean them. Right? And the song's called, Lord, You Have My Heart.